You're listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D, where we share all things related to photography. Welcome to episode 12 of Photo Tea with Anissa D. Today, we're going to be talking about tips for getting in-focus photos. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first started my photography journey, I really struggled with getting my photos to be in focus. And I would go out and just practice shooting all the time, just trying to get my photos to be crisp and sharp, just like other people's photos. And for some reason, my photos would always come off soft or blurry. And it was just so frustrating. And there were times that I would, you know, my husband Grant would model for me. And then we would go in the car afterwards to look through the photos. And I would just notice them all being soft and just being so frustrated. And we would just sit there and watch YouTube tutorials and play around with my camera settings, just trying to find the solution until I finally figured it out. And it's not just one thing. It's not just one setting that I changed. It is a combination of things that I have learned over the years. And that is really what I want to share with you guys today. So to start off, I'm just going to start by talking about the exposure triangle. And many of you guys have probably heard this. I'm sure some of you guys know what it is. But for those who don't, the exposure triangle is how aperture, ISO, and shutter speed interact with each other and affect the overall exposure. So let's dive into depth of field, which is controlled by aperture, and talk about this a little bit more. So wide aperture or a shallow depth of field is when less of an image is in focus. So that's typically when you're seeing that like beautiful, blurry, bokeh background in the photos. That's a wide aperture. On the other hand, we have a narrow aperture, which is a deeper depth of field, which happens when more of the image is in focus. So that's when the subjects, the background is, is definitely more in focus, less blurry. And with that, if you think about a narrow depth of field, it is smaller. So there's less light coming in. So a wider aperture has more light coming in, more exposure versus a narrow aperture has less light coming in. And as I mentioned, the depth of field is controlled by aperture and aperture is adjusted by changing the f-stop on your camera. So the smaller the f-stop, the deeper the depth of field. So that is, for example, 1 over 16. On the other hand, we have a larger f-stop and that means more shallow depth of field. So that would be, for example, 1 over 1.4. And now if you think about overall, you know, depth of field in a photo, picture like the focal plane. So a focal plane is basically a straight horizontal line that runs across the camera. So to explain this a little bit better, imagine two people standing side by side on the same focal plane. If you're shooting them head on, they're both going to be the same focus in focus. Now, if you take one of those people and you put them behind the other one, you'll notice that only one of them will be more in focus than the other, if that makes sense. And that's because they're in different focal planes. So that's something that we'll talk about later on, but I just kind of wanted to cover focal plane to start off with. But then going off on the other aspects of the exposure triangle, we have ISO and that basically the higher your ISO, the brighter your image is, the lower your ISO, the darker your image is. But we do have to take into account that ISO can affect image quality 
the higher that ISO number, the more noisy slash grainy your focus can be and softer, so less focus. Similarly, we have shutter speed and the shutter speed affects basically how fast your shutter button takes a photo. So if you have one eight thousandth of a second, that is a very fast shutter speed versus one two fifty of a second, that is a slower shutter speed. And this affects also the exposure coming in. The faster your shutter speed is, the darker your image will be. And then the smaller that bottom number is or the slower your shutter speed is, the brighter your image will be. So these all have to do with each other. They affect each other again with that exposure triangle. So I guess just to kind of start off summarizing everything, when you're focusing an image, it is dependent on two things, I guess a couple different things, one of them being your camera settings and how you adjust them, as well as your subject's positions and your position from your subject. So let's just get into it and start by talking about autofocus versus manual focus. I think this is the first thing that is important that we adjust when getting our camera into our hands. So sometimes people do confuse manual focus with manual mode. And I just want to clear up any confusion here. Manual focus is when you manually twist the focus ring on your lens, which is what the older kind of way of focusing your image used to be. It's what people, you know, will do when focusing film, film cameras, film photography. And then autofocus is when you like the camera automatically focuses your subjects depending on what AF settings you chose. So I personally recommend shooting an autofocus. That is what I shoot in. And I believe that's what a lot of digital photographers shoot in. So that's what I would personally recommend. And that is different from shooting in manual mode. Manual mode is when you can adjust your camera settings manually. So those are your ISO, your aperture, and your shutter speed. And that's kind of what we just talked about with the exposure triangle and adjusting the three of them and how they all affect each other. Now, Another thing that I want to mention is your camera gear. Your camera gear does play a role in, you know, these settings in your overall focusing. And I'll just kind of share a little bit about my journey. So I started off with the Canon 80D and I struggled a lot with focus. It was a crop sensor DSLR camera. I did use that with the 35 millimeter 1.4 Canon lens. And your camera gear does matter, especially because my like ISO capabilities weren't very great. And I would have to shoot with an aperture of like 3.2 or even higher, that number higher to get all of my subjects in focus. So you know, we all say camera gear doesn't determine how great of a photographer you are, but your camera gear, your tools, your gear can definitely help you. Once I upgraded my Canon ADD to a Canon R5 mirrorless camera, I did notice a huge shift in image quality. And even though some of my settings did change, the majority of them stayed the same. And I just still noticed a big difference. So while camera gear isn't everything, it can definitely help you out. So I just did want to touch on that briefly. Moving forward, it is important to talk about focus method. And there are different focus methods for DSLR cameras and mirrorless cameras. But I did want to talk about one shot slash single shot versus AI servo slash continuous focus, depending on if you're shooting Canon and Nikon. But 
Essentially, one shot slash single shot is used for still subjects. So that could be, you know, food photography or detail shots, a still car, if you're doing car photos, real estate photography, things that are not moving. AI Servo, on the other hand, is intended for moving subjects. So people, animals, if you're shooting moving vehicles, things like that. I typically shoot on AI servo and continuous focus since I shoot couples, weddings, people. And even when I shoot like the detailed shots, like if I'm at a wedding and I'm shooting a ring shot or something like that, I still find myself on AI servo. I don't just change it here and there. It's usually always set to AI servo because I do shoot more moving subjects. So that's the first thing that I would recommend adjusting. The next thing is your focus selection. So here's the difference where it comes into play of like DSLR versus mirrorless. So for DSLR cameras, you have, and and for mirrorless, you have options to choose from. You have spot focus, one point, expand AF area, et cetera, et cetera. For DSLR cameras, I recommend using spot autofocus, which essentially helps pinpoint an exact area to focus on. And you can actually manage the amount of focus points. So just think, The more focus points you have, the more parts of your image that'll be in focus. And you can adjust that by clicking on selectable AF point and adjusting the focus points there. That's what I would personally recommend for DSLR. And then when it comes to mirrorless, I believe that all mirrorless or at least most of them have eye tracking autofocus. So that's what I have my Canon R5 set to is the eye tracking. And personally, I just love that I can focus on my composition, my subjects, directing them, thinking about the landscape and and all those things, as opposed to like fully focusing on my focus and things like that. So I really like to use eye tracking. I think that it does a really great job and I'm able to have more of my attention beyond the actual composition of my image. So I personally really like autofocus, but or eye tracking autofocus. But with that, I will say sometimes my camera does struggle in certain situations when either there's lots of light coming in or not enough light coming in and it struggles to detect the eye. So in a situation like that, I actually will switch over to spot focus and just pinpoint the eye that I want to focus on. And this has really helped me when like I need something to be in focus and I don't have time to just sit there and play around with the eye tracking, I can just click on the eye because that's where I would recommend focusing on and take the image. So just a small little you know, tip if you guys do shoot eye tracking and struggle with it sometimes, that's what I personally do. So that kind of wraps up the focus method for DSLR and mirrorless cameras. But I did want to talk about lighting because lighting is, as we, you know, we talked about the exposure triangle, that's very important. And there are different aspects, the different camera settings that can affect lighting and lighting can affect your image quality and your focus. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is ISO. So we've been talking about aperture, but I do want to talk about ISO a little bit. As I mentioned in the beginning, the your ISO controls like, you know, the higher your ISO is, the more the more exposed your image will be. However, If that ISO goes too high, you now run into the issue of potentially having your photo be noisier, grainier, and just lower quality. 
And when I had my Canon ADD, if I went above a 400 ISO, I would instantly notice my photos being like muddy, very noisy, very grainy. And just the quality was just not good. They were very soft images. So it's really important to test out your camera's ISO capabilities. I will say that mirrorless has a really great... Mirrorless cameras just overall have better ISO capabilities. For me right now, like I know that I can go to a thousand ISO and not have any issues. Like I feel very safe, very comfortable doing that. And I've even seen some photographers shoot with like a 16,000 ISO, 32,000 ISO, which might be pushing it for some, you know, to each their own. But uh, that knowing your number, like what your max number is, and that's really important. So what I would recommend doing is just not at like an actual paid shoot or anything, but just going out and practicing. Maybe we even do like a model call and just go and practice and test out what your camera's ISO capabilities are. Test it out at 100, 200, 400, 800, 1000, and so on and so forth. And take a look at it afterwards in Lightroom and see what it looks like at each different ISO point and what you're comfortable doing. That's something that I would really recommend doing. Like I said, if you are lowering your shutter speed though to let more light in. So let's say you've hit your max. Let's say you've gotten to 800. That's the max that you're comfortable doing for your ISO, but you still need more light in. Now you can go ahead and adjust your shutter speed. And I use shutter speed a lot to, you know, just for exposing my image correctly. That's what I'll use. Usually I'll go to my shutter speed for that. But again, you want to have like your cutoff. So for me, I keep my my shutter speed. I shoot with a Canon R5 and a 35 millimeter 1.4 lens. And I keep my shutter speed above one over 250. That's one 250th of a second. I find that if I go any lower, I'll notice that, you know, if my subjects are moving or if I'm moving, that you can kind of see like the hands get a little bit blurry or, you know, the parts that they're, their body parts that they're moving get blurry. And that just is not, I don't like that. There is such thing as slow shutter or like motion blur. That's different. That is intentional. I will intentionally lower my shutter speed to like 130th of a second to achieve that. But otherwise I have my hard cut off at 1 250th of a second. If you need to go lower, you can always include a tripod. Not everyone wants to, you know, have a tripod that they're lugging around with them, especially if you're shooting like a wedding or a fast paced event. It probably doesn't make sense to just pull out your tripod and set it up. So that's just something to keep in mind and try to like steady yourself and not shake the camera as much, especially when you are, if you are shooting at a shutter speed of one two fiftieth of a second. If you shake your camera too much, you will notice that your subject will probably be blurry or parts of your image might be blurry. So that's just something to keep in mind. The other thing is number of subjects. So this kind of goes back to depth of field and aperture. And I find that a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm shooting, you know, four people or five people, I can only get one person in focus. That is a big issue. That's an issue that I've had in the past and something that you should probably learn more about before going in and shooting bigger events such as weddings and parties and such. So once again, let's talk about that focal plane. If possible, which it's not always possible, but if possible, you want to have everybody in your group photo be on the same focal plane. So let's say you're taking pictures of 
you know, a couple and like you're at a wedding and you're taking a picture of the bride and the groom and then the bride's parents. So there's four people. You can easily have them be like all side by side next to each other. And that will help get everyone in focus. Now, the problem that you can run into, obviously, is if you have like, let's say you have 16 people and it's a huge family gathering, you're going to probably not have everybody side by side, just horizontally across. You'll probably have a couple rows of people. So if possible, place the group, you know, place the group on the same focal plane. But if not, no worries. If not, the next step would be to narrow your aperture. So you want to make your f-stop smaller, like f over eight or, you know, one over eight. And then that way, more of your image will be in focus. Now, with doing that, you will notice that the image will get a little bit darker or a lot of it darker, depending on how much you're you know, lowering that. So it's just important, again, that exposure triangle. If you're adjusting your aperture, you may need to tweak your ISO or your shutter speed to allow more light to come in. The other thing is increasing your distance from your subject. So think about this. If you're taking a photo of someone's earring and you're getting really close in there and your focus is on the earring, you'll probably notice that like the subject's face or hair, they're going to be kind of blurry because you're really up in there. If you're taking a photo of a ring, their nails might be out of focus or skin like on their arm might be out of focus, but the actual ring or the earring will be in focus. So as you notice, when you start to back up, more of their face will come into focus. And so that's really important to think about with group photos. If you're super, super close to the group of people, you'll probably notice more of the people who are in the middle slash closer to you will be in focus. So step away as far as you can. Obviously, adjust yourself. I'm always moving around. I'm always changing my angle. And we'll talk about camera angle because I think that also plays a really important role. But move around, test out different angles, and just keep that in mind when you're shooting group photos. So speaking of camera angle, this one is important to remember whether you're shooting one person or a group of people. And basically, the general rule is to hold your camera head on towards your subjects if you want everyone and everything to be in focus. If you are shooting on an angle or tilting your camera up or down, you'll notice that certain parts of your subjects will be in focus as opposed to others. So just something to think about when you're shooting, you know, people and everything. But yeah, I think that pretty much summarizes everything that I wanted to talk about and to mention. If you guys have any other questions, you can always reach out on Instagram. Or if you have any other ideas or topics that you want to talk about, please let me know. I'm always looking for new things to share, especially if it will help you guys. So if you've made it to the end, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you like this episode, please let me know by leaving a review. It would really mean so, so, so much to me. And thanks so much. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D. If you liked today's episode, please let me know by leaving a review and make sure to follow for more episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Anissa D Photography. See you back here next time for a new episode. Bye.